Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome to episode 94, our Code of Honor episode. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. All right, guys. This is Robert sitting in the captain's chair. And this is one of our uh, indulging Francis episodes, as he, yes, as he likes is. to say. Yes, uh, Because we are doing, uh, you know, Code of Honor, it's, it's one of the greatest episodes because it's, it's a little more freewheeling than some of the others we do. Yeah. And it is also one of our most downloaded episodes. They are, yeah. Uh, which I, I find uh, very gratifying because, uh, you know, I think this is most this is the most us. You know, this yeah, is, I think, where you a, get to have... a good way of putting it's it. It's the yes. most pointless discussion of eternal questions. Yes, exactly. There's, there's a lot of pointless and there's a lot of eternal. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it, we get the most philosophical here. We get the deepest. We also get the shallowest here. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's right. Well, uh, but it's, it's stuff... I mean, I, I know this probably sounds odd to people, but, you know, a lot of these quotes are things that really inform our lives. Mm-hmm. They're, they're things that we go, oh, okay, I've got to, that makes sense. Yeah. I've got to incorporate that, that notion, that kernel of truth from that quote into my life somehow. It's a quest for wisdom, which we're yeah. always looking for. Yes, yeah, a that's... quest. Let's go questing. That's right. Okay. Questing we shall go. So, Code of Honor, and we have a topic. We almost never have a topic. Well, yeah. we, we kind of started this with Nietzsche last year, yes. and we were thinking, well, you know... That's why I said almost never. That's right. You know, but I think we're going to do more of these. If, actually, we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, looking at the at the at what we've got planned is sometimes we discover, well, you know, this person that we talk about has a lot of great things that they said. So let's just kind of put a theme to it. Yes. Uh, which is what we've done this time here. Again, so, these guys are indulging me on this one. We are. But that's all right. You know, we, we have a great love for, for, for some of this stuff, to, too. So we're doing quotes from James T. Kirk. Captain Kirk, the Starship Enterprise, Star, you know, the Star Trek franchise. And he was the first. Well, technically he was the second, but he was the first who made it on air. That's right. <laughs> so, well, and Chatner slash Kirk again. When you talk about cultural impact, this is yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a vast, rampant cuttlefish of cultural dominion. Exactly. Ooh, very good. <laughs> sir. As PJ O'Rourke would undoubtedly say. Oh, yes. I was giving you credit for. It. I'm sorry. So, and you know, I I know that the list of quotes that I pulled together is all from the Shatner Kirk. Uh, I don't think there's really been much in the way of the uh, Chris, Chris Pine, Pine. Kirk. Well, we like Chris Pine, of Yeah, course, but I mean, as but... far as quotable stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But these episodes are about... Or movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These, these episodes. episodes that we're doing, these are about Shatner because... It's his birthday this it's month. It's his birthday. That's correct. William yes. Shatner turns 90 in March, and these are our March episodes, so... Yep. Yeah, so we're doing a Shatner-palooza this time around. Three weeks of nothing but all Shatner all the time. Don't drive him away. No. no just kidding. Just who kidding. Doesn't lo- other than George Takai, who doesn't love Shatner? Uh, well, well, Michelle Nichols doesn't like him. I mean, we can make a list, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, but yeah. nevertheless, we love Shatner. We think he's the so, best. We're going to do stick with the same format we usually do. Uh, Francis and Martin are going to go first, and I will follow up with a with a final quote. Because this is topical, I don't know for sure how well I'm going to be able to hammer this one home. So I think this one's a bigger challenge uh, than I've had in the past. You're but I am up to it. it. You're up for it because you're wielding mighty Monier. That's right. I have, as Darcy would say, I have mirror mirror. (laughs) (laughs) I have mirror mirror. And I'm I'm ready to hammer it home. That's right. It is here. You're worthy. You're very worthy. Uh, Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So which one of you guys is going first? I would like to have Francis go first. I oh, mean, it's his thing, so okay, let's well, have Francis go. I think that's good. That's, that's good. That's fine. That's no problem. I'm going to give you all a quotation. This is, I mean, there's tons of them. You guys know I can I can roll Kirk off the tongue all over the Did place. Did you even have to Google anything? Uh, oh, only for clarity, but no, every one of these I knew. I could have pulled these yeah, out. See, of we had to Google no, to get I a decent been. list. But yeah. this one here, especially not, <clears throat> because I use this constantly. Constantly. That just shows the. The veracity of how well that you know the, the writers for Trek. I mean, ultimately, that's yeah. where these come from. Yeah, they're really not Shatner. They're, right. they're the Trek writers, exactly. But he still has to deliver them in a way that gives them meaning. That's yeah. correct, and he does that in Spades very, very well. Uh, the episode I'm going to use. I mean, excuse me. The quotation I'm going to use is comes from one of the episodes in the original series, uh, the Ultimate Computer, second season. Uh, it's for those of you who may not know, it's the one where. 
the uh, M5 Multitronic computer gets installed aboard the Enterprise uh, to take everything over, and ultimately it goes insane, and there's a great big battle at the very end of the episode against four Federation starships, which is totally hella cool. Uh, and Kirk, Especially in the remastered version. Yes, yeah, because they, they and that brought would have been quite a challenge to portray in 1966. Yes, the original version, uh, they're taking the same model and they're, and they're doing some really funky stuff with it photographically, but with the remastered version, they're actually able to show some real serious space battles going on here. And of course, Kirk saves the day at the end by simply... Talking, talking to the to computer, <laughs> talking <laughs> the computer to death. It's not the first or last time they even do that, uh, but it, but it really, you know, it's full of drama. It's also full of the human equation, that human piece, because by M five, this all powerful computer taking over, the captain himself is disenfranchised. He's displaced, and there's even a line in there that talks about Captain uh, Dunsell. Captain Dunsell, that's right. He becomes superfluous. Yeah, exactly. He becomes irrelevant. And you know, Kirk and McCoy have this have this banter between each other, and McCoy brings him a what is called a finagle's folly, which is some sort of a drink. You know, he says, you know, I make a finagle's folly that's known from here to Orion. I strongly prescribe it. And they sit, drink with each other, like we're doing now with our bourbon, and talk about you know the nature of life and uh, pr- productivity and how life changes and things don't go well always. And they also talk about... It's a very about, pointless discussion of an eternal question. That's exactly right. Where, where do you it's think a very snakes and otters moment. Very much it is. That's right. And one of the things they also start talking about is the fact that, well, you know, this computer can't be all that it's supposed to be. And they go into the backstory of Dr. Richard Daystrom, who created this, who was a boy wonder who created, years ago, all the computer systems that are used. He's kind of like the Bill Gates of his day. They created this or the Steve Jobs or Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs, depending on your yeah. preference, who creates this marvelous operating system, but is never able to equal that later. And it's he a peaked huge, too early. He peaked early, and he and uh, and Daystrom himself. And that's a theme Trek would revisit often, very much so throughout and, the different series. Of the, the yeah, uh, which what is, do you what do you do once you peaked? Absolutely, because you know how human versus technology. How do you how do you work on that? That's all the stuff is webtoon. And William Marshall was the actor uh, that portrayed uh, Daystrom in the episode. He does a fantastic job. He has a nervous breakdown at the end while he's trying to wrestle with this stuff. You are great. I am great. That's right. Uh, and he, and he talks about you know colleagues laughing behind my back at the boy wonder and building becoming famous, building upon my work. All that's put all in here. And Kirk kind of defends this. Which, from his position in the episode, of course he is, because he's the one that's displaced. He's saying that you know we have men must have men must do what they have to do in order to remain men. That's not my quote, but it's kind of like man versus technology. And the quotation I'm going to give you talks about this whole peaking early business. He says genius doesn't work on an assembly line basis. You cannot simply say today I will be brilliant. And that, to me, is such an amazing quotation about the power of creativity and how it is not up to us. It is not our genius. It is not our abilities, but something God-given. Inspiration, call it what you want. Genius, call it that. I mean, that's what the quote says. I'll repeat it again. Genius doesn't work on an assembly line basis. You can't simply say, today I will be brilliant. There has to be inspiration. Well, that it's it, there's more to it than just our own. All right. If it were stuff. an assembly line, it's not genius. That's right. Because it's insert tab A into slot B. You know, an assembly line is is you do the same thing over and over and get the same results. That's right. Which genius is, is you do something different to get different results. Right. The assembly line is, in certain respects, uh, a little bit dehumanizing. Oh, it's a lot dehumanizing. Yeah, well, I was being kind, <laughs> but uh, creativity yeah. is an inherently human function it's a necessity for us as as human beings but it is not on our own merits alone we contribute of course because that's why some can be geniuses and others not and talent does have something to do with that but ultimately that's kind of the point again yeah because what you have everything you have is a gift your ability to be a genius comes from god call it what call it what you want but it's inherent to us. Yeah, it's a spark that we all have. Yes. So I, I see why you use that frequently. Then. Yes, absolutely. Yes, because um, it again, there's 
that idea is expressed lots of different ways. Yes. Um, um, uh, what um, the the great inventor Edison uh, yeah. supposedly famous for saying, you know, okay, you can fail ten thousand times. That's necessary, basically. Well, it's, it's okay to fail a lot and then keep going. Right. Well, it's how he. he I think the quote you're looking for is uh, somebody asking, "Well, how does it feel to fail ten thousand times trying to?" Uh, create the light bulb he says i didn't fail ten thousand times i simply discovered ten thousand ways not to create a light bulb yeah give or take a little there were ten thousand successes in not finding a light bulb right but it just takes the one exactly that's right because ultimately those ten thousand failures contributed to the ultimate success your approach and that quote's it's kind of inherent in the quote here is you know you've got to do the work he says because what follows right after this he says no matter how long it took he eventually came up with Multitronics, which was the the system that was the basis of this computer here. Uh, and that's kind of the thing is hard work is essential to genius. But that just by itself will not get you there. Because mules work hard. Well, that's a very good way of putting it, yes. Yeah. So, but Some combined... line workers work hard, but it's... the uh, working hard and creativity are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah, uh, creativity. They're both necessary. They're both necessary. You've got to have both. Um, so, I'm going to be a little contrarian here. Okay, good. Um, oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, okay, well, you know, it's it's the the whole point of the discussion is to to explore opposing viewpoints here. Yes. So, no, uh, you're the devil. You cannot oppose my. Evidence. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So. I agree with the, very much with the quote, but how you interpret it, I, I have some issue with. Um, so, uh, yes, I agree that, that all of our gifts are God-given because life is a gift itself. Sure, yes. Um, I disagree that I cannot say today I will be brilliant. Because, okay. Okay. especially in the context of genius and creativity, which is where we often go is the creativity. Right. Uh, I absolutely can say today I will be creative because creativity in itself is also a process. So in many ways, this quote works and it doesn't work. Oh, interesting. It's about output. Well, yes, it's about output. It's it's about output. that's what you don't want to focus on. That you want to focus on the process. Well, exactly, because I think the process is important. Yeah. Now, it's not the same as an assembly line where I do the exact same thing every single day. Because that's that's an assembly That's the very nature of an assembly line. You do the one job or a couple of jobs in the same place, in the same fashion, with the same materials every single day. That is not creativity, as we've said. However, there is a process. Most great artists and writers will tell you certain things are always true. Yeah. So since we are both working on writing projects, yes. and Martin has, has got an idea that he is uh, germinating, so We're soon we will all be yes, working on okay. our own writing projects. And also, we do have the Joint Snakes and Otters book series coming. We hope. That's right. We, oh, will. Yeah. we will. <laughs> we will. That's right. My man Robert's very confident. I'll, I love that. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, most great writers will tell you that you have to have a schedule and keep to it. So now, in many sense, writing is doing... The same motions in the same place in the same way every day. Well, that's a, there's a dichotomy for you, yes. Because there's a process. Because there's a process. You stick to it, and you have to stick to it. Oh, well, that's correct. Because I you know, like I also do the visual arts. Although I have not spent as much time on that uh, in recent years, I do miss spending. You just don't have the time for all the things I want to do. Yeah. Um, you man, many parts. I am. I am. Uh, so even with the visual arts, you have. To be consistent, you cannot take a day off. I mean, you can, but you know, you cannot make it a habit to take. But you don't want the, to deviate from your process, right? Well, in the sense that you're not the process of the actual creation, but the process of the craft. That's that's a good way to the put craft, it. Yes, we yeah. always celebrate it. So I, um, yeah, I get where you're Stephen going. Stephen King is notorious, and you know this. Yes, he uh, he always writes so much every single day. He doesn't take days off. I mean, that's his job. He, he writes his... on his birthday, on his wife's birthday, Christmas, Easter, just, seven what, days a week. That's what he does. But, Actually, no, there's one day he does take off. I forget what he says. I think there. it might be Christmas right. or his birthday. I, I, but there's like one day he doesn't write, but that's it. 
Right. And his family knows that. Of course, he's been successfully married for you know a gazillion years. Yeah. She's she's part of the process. She's actually one of his early. I guess you'd call her an alpha reader. Uh, yeah. For, for what you would call does. it today. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, she is the reason that he got the success that he has because she fished out. Oh, the Carey manuscript right. out of the garbage. That's right. That's right. And that's the first book that was published. Because he hated it. He thought it was awful. And she rescued it. It got sent off. And he got like... That's a $400,000 advance. $400,000 advance from a book. This is in 72... Yeah, oh, early that's 70s. That's an incredible amount well, of money. That's an incredible there. amount today. And, right. You know, well, because back nobody then was... But when gas is 45 cents a gallon. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he's, he's living in a basement of almost like a hovel. I mean, the, yeah. the places he lives. If you read his book on writing, he tells the story about how, you know. He was a struggling English teacher. That's right. And he, was, and he was not very, you're not expected to do very well in life. And, but he had published a lot of short stories. Yeah. And a lot of articles, you know, like Playboy had published quite a few. Now, back then, that was a big deal. You oh, yeah. get in Playboy, you have hit yeah, the big time as far as short stories go. It's got go. national because they had a lot of those those stories in there. Well, all, all the Bond books were serialized in there yeah. in the sixties. You know what? It's, it's, it's a big odd for people to realize, but people actually did read Playboy for the articles sometimes. I know, that's now, granted, they also looked at the pictures. Don't get me wrong. That's a don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. Well, yeah, yeah. Hefner did not build... Uh, it was not really a, sl- a smut mag. It was, right, he was not Larry Flint. No. I mean, it's still pornography. It, it is, but it was it was Esquire with nudes. That's what he yes. basically what he wanted yes. to do because he worked at Esquire before that. We're getting off of a Yeah, we are, we are. But the <laughs> point is, though, back to the creativity, I I, I think that you, you do have to follow uh, certain things because... Let's let's take uh, Albert Einstein as a great example. So Einstein, he was famous for minimizing the distractions. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, there's a story once uh, he, he needed to go to his house. So he's like taking a cab or something. You know, he's like, "Well, where are you going?" I was like, uh, "You know, I don't know. I don't know my address." I was like, "Why don't you know your address?" Because I can look it up. You know, yeah. he didn't need to remember because he, he why clutter his mind with things like that? He wore the same clothes. Every day, so you know, not same same actual clothes, but you know, he had like ten shirts, ten pair of pants, ten jackets, all the same. So he could just grab something. He didn't have to worry his mind about what he was going to wear. He, he didn't, didn't have just, to make decisions that were extraneous to his goals. Exactly. But, you know, that's well, goal driven. That's kind of what we're kind of talking yeah. about here. Is uh, creativity can be goal driven. In fact, it must be goal driven. Yeah, because you have. If you're not working on something, you're not really being creative. You know, we could sit around and talk about our book projects all day long, but if we're not actually working on them, oh yeah, there's that's a huge and that's and there's millions of people out there that you know have these. You, you, if you if you read Quora, you hear it all the time. I got this idea. How do I get somebody to write it for me? And usually you don't exactly. Mercedes Lackey <laughs> will come back and she'll just say, "Rolling on the floor, laughing." You know. <laughs> yeah. If it's an you're idea not, that you want somebody else to write, it's not really your idea. That's right. And, uh, and I mean, you may have thought are, of it, but ideas are a dime a dozen. Uh, writing is a hard, laborious process of putting words on paper and making them good. And yeah. she says it takes about a million words to get good before you really start there. And, you know, there's probably a lot of truth there. Probably a lot of truth on that. You know, yeah. when you look at great writers, and I think Stephen King is a great writer. Oh, yeah. Um, not just in quantity, but in quality. I've talked about this before. His early works compared to his later works, and if you, as you read the books in the order he's written them, you can see the progression. Uh, he has mastered his craft. I love that, and that's the thing I love about him the most anymore. Oh, yeah. And yeah. He's, he's, in many respects, the greatest living fiction writer. I mean, certainly yeah. the most successful. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, he took a genre that really what did, almost didn't exist and made it something. Uh, that, well, it was, a, it was a pulp fiction kind of a yeah, you know, it, it pulp was, novel. It, it was kind never of mainstreamed genre. into novelizations much. Uh, uh, I guess you would say you, you'd had some uh, paperback books but they were a different right. they were not mainstream is the point exactly yeah. that's right you know, it was the... very niched but again he has a system that he follows mm-hmm. to be creative and the reason he follows that is because it gets rid of all the other, all of the other distractions just like Einstein just like Einstein so yeah you cannot put creativity or genius because to me genius and creativity are the same thing they are hand in hand they're, they're cer- yeah certainly and uh, you can't Say I'll be a genius, but yes, you can. I can. Yeah, I don't. I don't you say, can say be, you. You can be focused. Yeah, because really, that's be, what it is. You can be creative, but your output, and I think that's what the quote's about, may or may not be right. And that's what you can't control necessarily. Right. You know, the quality you, of the output. If on any particular day, 
you may not have a brilliant idea or write a brilliant sentence. Although, personally, I think if you're trying to write one brilliant sentence a day, you're an idiot. <laughs> because all successful writers will also tell you, just put the freaking words on paper. That's right. Get or if you're in the visual arts, just put the lines or the paint on paper or on the canvas. Because it's more important to do the work. Mm -hmm. The work itself is how you become brilliant, how you get better. Mm -hmm. And practice until you makes perfect. practice makes perfect, it really does. Uh, you know, any any musician so, will tell yeah, you. Yeah, inspiration plus practice. Yes, gives value. Genius is just as much inspiration as perspiration. And that's mm -hmm. another goes right back to Edison. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. It, you cannot have it without both. Yeah. You really it's can. In some levels. Interesting. Interesting. It's interesting. Fantastic. Folks. Sorry, I didn't mean to dominate your. Uh, no, you didn't. Your no, you, uh, you quote there, no, but uh, because we we went deep with that, and that's kind of the whole point when we do yeah, these things yeah. here. So my turn. Yeah. Yeah. Sure yeah I think so. Okay. So I went a, a a little bit different. I went to the movies rather than the episodes of the original series, mm -hmm. and went to Wrath of Khan, which is pretty much everybody's. Favorite Trek movie, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's still the standard for me. Yeah, and this is a little bit of a cheat because it's kind of something Kirk really gets from Spock, right? And Spock's analytical, logical mind. And let me make sure I get it exactly right here. Uh, he's in the Genesis cave, and I believe he's speaking to Savick. And he says, as your teacher, Mr. Spock, is fond of saying, I like to think that there are always are possibilities. Mm -hmm. And that one means a lot to me because that whole word of possibilities. If you, if you think that there are no possibilities in your life, then there is no creativity. There is no enjoyment. There's no. no joy. It's drudgery. Yeah. And you are Job. Life is a drudgery. Yeah. I was part of the, the reading uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, early uh, February. And it's the opening line of that, that particular reading. Is, life, isn't life a drudgery? And he goes on and on about how bad it is. That's a man without possibility. Yeah. When we first discussed this, it was strictly a possibility. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know... Recording audio is not difficult. The software is free. We got a microphone. We got computers. Right, and we've talked for years about why yeah. aren't we recording this stuff? Mm -hmm. Why is it snakes and otters a, a, a reality? It was just a possibility then. Mm -hmm. Now it's a reality. But we did the work. We did the work. Well, that's exactly right. That's ultimately you have to do that. Well, that's one of the things that you know you hear we've, about uh, from all those uh, aspiring writers. Well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna write a book one day. No, no, that's that's ridiculous. You are yeah. you are if you are a writer, you have to write every day. That's right, exactly. That's what you're, Stephen King will tell you. And most writers, you're write. constantly writing. You're constantly writing, and if you're not writing, you're probably thinking about writing when you're yeah. not writing. Yeah, it's, there are there are always possibilities. Look at the world. That there's not just one door or two doors. Right. There it's are lots of doors. Infinite number, you might say. See you what might walk, be, yeah. not what is. Yeah, you could walk through any of them, and you don't know what's going to be on the other side. What's on the other side might be an awesome, an awesome creative outlet like a Snakes and Otters podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think uh, that quote is quintessentially American. Uh, I think it really is mm -hmm. part and parcel of our uh, cultural identity. Although, honestly, I think our cultural identity is shifting. Uh, yeah, uh, we're losing a lot of this, I, unfortunately. I think we are. Uh, which, you know, maybe our younger listeners think, well, that's a good thing, but I would disagree. Yeah, we're, we are getting into a conformity of mind Yes, that's being imposed on. Well, you can't think that way because that might offend some person that's part of a group that has three members. Right. Well, and, and even though... Well, we're not attending to offend... But we have to be more resilient than that. Right. It, when, well, did I think the worst... when did the free exchange of ideas become a threat? Uh, not that long ago. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But it is now. It, it basically is, is now. And it, to me, that's the, the, the key issue that is the problem with that, is rather than seeing the, the possibilities in the exchange of free ideas, yes. what we are seeing is, no, we, we don't want you to think that way because we think that, that thinking is bad. So, which, and granted, I'll, some ways of thinking, we don't, you know, we don't want people to think in racist ways. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or in, in discrimination, in discriminating ways. 
because that's bad. It's dehumanizing. But as soon as you start either culturally or with the power of the state telling people how to think, you have doomed yourself as a society. We no longer see the possibilities as positive. Right. We only see the negative possibilities. Right. Because we then you start the, conforming. Yeah. We only see the yeah the injurious possibilities. So then we are captives to fear. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We become captives to fear, and all the joy of life is gone, and we're walled off from the possibilities. Seeing the possibilities implies there's courage. Not being able to see the possibilities oh. implies there is fear. Robert hammers it again. That's right. Well, I mean, possibilities are all about courage. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and who is more courageous than James T. Kirk, folks? I mean, come on. Risk is our business. That's, exactly, that's, right. that's right. Yet another one of the quotes. We're not using that one today, I don't think. We don't well, we really, just did. Well, it's <laughs> just, did. just as an illustration. We used the, one of the others, too. Yeah. Right. Uh, and Robert, of course, doesn't tell us what he's going to do when he gets to well, it. Well, uh, and I, I just want to give some credit. Nicholas Meyer is pretty much the whole creative force. Uh, and Harve Bennett behind Wrath of Khan, right? And Nicholas Meyer, I believe they were phenomenal together. Wrote the wrote those lines, uh, but it, I mean that's every day in my life. I'm an IT person, and when you work in IT, you have to think about possibilities. Mm-hmm. Well, what yes. fixes and what fixes is... X? Well, <coughs> if this doesn't work, we've got something else. I do want to say this too here because possibilities and alternatives are different things. There was a quotation in the Galileo 7 by Spock about uh, uh, there are always alternatives, Doctor. That is a different type of program than possibilities. Alternatives are set. Correct. Possibilities are... That's A, B, C, or D. Yes. Yes. As opposed to A, 12, 9, Q, red, black... Exactly. (laughs) And I want to draw that out because it's easy to remember that quote from Spock. This is very much deeper than that. Right, because this quote is in the context of the discussion of the Kobayashi Maru test. Correct. Savick famously fails it at the start of the film. Because she's meant to fail it. And what's Kirk's solution? He's the only, as McCoy says, the only cadet who ever beat the Kobayashi Maru. The no-win scenario. To beat the no-win scenario Mm -hmm. because he reprogrammed it. His son says, well, you cheated. He says... No, change the conditions of I the test. Change the conditions now, of the test. I got a combination for original thinking. Now, this is different than the Chris Pine who did cheat because he rigged the scenario. Right. It was his way of rebelling. He was a rebel, whereas the Shatner Kirk is a he's a vastly different Kirk. Very much so, yes. He really uh, is. Yeah. And not just because of the actors. I think Chris Pine does a fantastic job. He's a great actor. I like yeah. him. Yeah. But he is his Kirk is different because of how it's written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the backstory uh, is different. And the backstory is vastly different. Yeah, that, which uh, makes... But how, how can Chris Pine's Kirk not be great? His dad is Thor. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But that's, yeah, I mean, when you take the the entirety of the conversation with Savick in this context of, I don't like to lose, I don't believe in the no-win scenario, there are always possibilities. And like you said, that's different from alternatives. Alternatives are these these hard set choices, and possibilities are creative at their core. There's another layer here too, which I think is important based on what you just said. When Savick asks him that question, she thinks that they're hopeless, that they're stranded inside Regular One, uh, and Kirk already has the plan figured out. He's already right. done the work. Because when she comes he's to him, he's not telling him anybody. Yeah. When she comes to him, he says, "Are you asking if we're playing out the no-win scenario here?" Yeah, that's right. And it's like, well, no, actually, we're not because we get. It's right, is, which is it's somewhat tongue in cheek here. Got the ace up my exactly, like Kirk always does. A, as, he, as he says when he you know flips the communicator just a little while later when the time runs out, and he says, "Okay, I don't like to lose." Uh, he's already done the work, like you say. It's already in place. That's just, why he looks brilliant. Yes, that's right. <laughs> because because he, he draws upon years of experience mm-hmm. and tactics and. Uh, and, and which we see later in the in the space battle, right? Uh, that you know the inexperienced thinking, yes, yes, and he uses that ahead of he prepares the way, which is what a good commander does. You already have it all figured out. And now you've got a plan in place. And, and oddly enough, though, because uh, again, these these tie together very well. You guys have tied your your topics together uh, just about as without well as I could. To. Yeah, without meaning to. Well, that's what we do. Uh, you know that we're very good. But at 
you know, in a way, it, it's it's like the, your quote about uh, being brilliant. You know, you have to do the work ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't an over like that's you said. Hurt. You're an overnight success. No, I'm not. It took me 20 years to be an overnight success. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the same thing. You have to put in the time uh, and yeah, the effort. I mean, everybody's an overnight success when they're discovered. It's like, hey, you've got ability and talent, and these, this product you're putting out is really good. Well, because it took years to hone it. And exactly. get it right and get there. I mean, right. that's songwriting, painting, novels, whatever. Um, so, so gentlemen, are we ready for a bourbon break? It is time for a bourbon break. So, and it's, so. that's now the official name of this pause in every episode now right. is Snakes and Honors Bourbon Break because we, like Stan Lee, love our alliteration. Absolutely. We do. We do. Like, so, uh, today, uh, uh, I we are drinking. Uh, uh, Francis and I are drinking the uh, what is Order it? Horse. Yes, Order Horse Reserve Order from Horse the Reserve. OZ Tyler yes. Distillery in Owensboro, right. Kentucky. Square bottle, which is what led you to buying it, if I recall correctly. It's something like that. Yeah, it was, got, at least got it was noticed. Part of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it is smooth. I actually put a cube of ice in mine. I haven't been doing that lately, uh, and it chilled it very, very effectively. I've forgotten how much I missed that. Uh, it's got a little burn and it got a little bite. Uh, but even that is smooth. It is smooth. That is uh, correct. It, it's not a harsh one. Uh, you know, I haven't had a sip in, in several minutes, but I can still feel that warmth in the back of my throat. Yes, yes, uh, very much so. Down through uh, to the top of my stomach, which, you know, again, what I, one of the things I find fascinating about the different bourbons we've tried, which has been quite a few now, uh, certainly we've barely scratched the surface because we, we return to the ones we like a lot, but uh, each one has a different burn. Uh, a well, different way yeah. it affects yeah. your palate yeah. and yes. your your senses. Yeah. That's and that's it's it's weird when we start ana- analyzing it that all that comes out. Yeah. It's, sometimes it's early. Sometimes it's late. Sometimes it's in the mouth. Sometimes it's in the throat or the stomach. Or, or sometimes it's even in the nostrils, the sinuses. Right. Yes. So yeah, it's, and, it's and, interesting. Yeah. Part of why we don't move on is shit. We got to finish these things before we can buy more. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> listeners, we are. I am very very excited because the fellas are back here at Studio M. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, 30th, Plaza. Yeah, 30th floor of Nakatomi Plaza behind the waterfall and down the hall from Ellis. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we've got uh, got my bourbons uh, out and the guys are partaking. So again, they've got the Quarter Horse Reserve. But I am hitting what's rapidly becoming a real favorite for me, and that's Bullet. Yes. The Bullet Frontier, Frontier Bourbon. Yeah. Yes, I'm doing that one next. I almost did this one the first time. I thought, oh, I haven't done the Quarter Horse a lot, so we'll stick with this one. Right. Yeah, so uh, the Bullet is the lowest level of the three I've got sitting here. <laughs> You're uh, trying to finish it off. Okay, so we'll gonna, help you with that next episode. Yes, yeah, we'll sound. finish that off. But the, the Bullet's really good. And it it's is. It's very popular. I mean, we don't have to really do a... A review of it it's it's very popular has high sales um but yeah it's it's good it's got a a, a, a powerful flavor but not a harsh flavor so yeah. yeah very few do we run into the harsh the harshness yeah I mean, I think maybe the, that's the harshest we're getting better at well yeah but i mean you know as my former pastor likes to say even a bad bourbon is still bourbon amen uh i think the harshest one we've done is the devil's cut uh, and it's really, I don't find it that harsh. Not at all. Uh, no. But it's that's just, it's just very, it's a that. powerful bourbon. It's supposed to be. That's a good way to put it, I Yeah, think. That's what, I like uh, that word. It's very much so. But yeah, it, that was good stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, now, it's not nor, it's not my normal favorite, but if, you know, for a change of pace, I like it. Yeah. You still have some, right? Yeah, I do. When I we're do. at your place next, that's what we need to try again, because it's been a long time since we had any of that. I yeah. For me, anyway. Yeah. yeah, I haven't had any of that. I need to get another bottle of Woodford. I'm out of that. Yeah. But you always have the Four Roses. Which again is another one that we all yes. three. I'm going endorse. to get the the small batch the next time when it's time to replace that bottle because the last couple has been the um, the, the the lower end the twenty dollar bottle yeah the entry level which is a phenomenal I mean for twenty bucks it's oh my gosh to me it's it's the same kind of value that double oaked gives you yeah uh, you know for the dollar it's 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 up there value wise with pappy to me I mean it's not pappy but for you know. Comparatively, what you pay, oh my gosh, it's you can't beat that kind of value. And this Four Roses is in that same category. Just $20 bottle of bourbon is fantastic. Yeah. I need to uh, to get back and, and either get a bottle of uh, Knob Creek. Yeah, yeah. Regular standard Knob Creek is time, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, of course, I always like Elijah Craig, which is yeah. another one that's just kind of on that lower end. But um, I always thought that was such a good, flavorful, smooth... 
had that great maple flavor taste. Yeah. Uh, that 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 maple syrup almost. Well, you know, without it, that, without it being heavily maple, right? Like the knob, the knob Creek maple that I had, yeah. which is like, as I like to call it, my breakfast bourbon, because it makes me think of sausage and pancakes. <laughs> I do oh, love it. There's you're making no me doubt. hungry. Now. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I love that kind of breakfast food. So yeah, that's comfort uh, food, man. Yeah. All right, so it's time for me to to bring us on home, and I, I gotta say, you guys have done some great quotes. Because they they fit so well together. So before we go into mine, because I'm still I'm torn. I gotta say I'm torn still. Really? Yeah. So you had the genius doesn't work on an assembly line basis. You can't simply say today I will be brilliant. And you had the as your teacher, Mr. Spock likes to say, I like to believe that there are always possibilities. possibilities. Right. So to me, that's that's you know speaks a lot to that. Uh, to the human condition that we are all about, yeah. the whys and the creativity. Uh, that's, I mean, that's what Roddenberry celebrates with Star Trek. Is he does the human aspirations? The, right. I think what, he's a little what's powerful about humanity. Yes. What's what? What is right and good about humanity? Now, I think he goes a little off the rails when he gets later because you know he gets very socialist in in what in what are ludicrous ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with the idea that, you know, your society is so advanced that, you know, there's no hunger and there's no sickness. We should all aspire to that yes. in, what, in whatever form that takes if we can. But the whole idea, for instance, you know, that there's no money. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, we don't work to better ourselves. Really, how am I bettering myself by keeping my, my restaurant open uh, all day long? Yeah. And, you know, where am I getting the food? What am I getting in return for cooking yeah, it? As advanced as we are, somebody has to assemble starships. Exactly. And they're not doing that to better themselves. Right. They want to get paid. Right. So, Very well put, sir. You know, if they don't, I mean, you know, wow. I need some... How would you come and, you know, mow my lawn, you know? Better yourself that way. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> yes. Production still requires some type of... There's an exchange of value somehow. Uh, yes. Exchange yeah. of value. And that's, that's all money is. Right. Um, you know, like P.J. Orca famously says why is this rumpled green piece of paper with the picture of a disreputable president president on it uh worth more than this cleanly folded sheet of pure white paper that i just blew my nose on right because we ascribe value right. to it you know we don't like to talk about gold uh, having an inherent value it has no inherent value everything that we that we Put a dollar price on, or, or, or just any medium of exchange. You know, it's like, well, you know, I think that you know this gold is worth, you know, three Buicks. You know, this, you know, no, it's still prices fluctuate hmm. because we have different and changing, yeah, scales. And, of that's all capitalism is. I have three baskets, you have two spears. I need spears, you need baskets. Right. Less trade. Exactly. I would call that more of a market economy, but yeah. Yeah. Because there's really, technically, there's no capital involved in that. Yeah. Uh, in, in, the, in the liquid sense. But th that's a whole other thing. Whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. I mean, his point was that since you can produce anything. Right. Once you have a replicator, it really does change the economics. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. All right. So I have several favorite quotes, because we all do, you know. Sure. Kirk is very quotable. And, um, you know, the one that I like to use during the uh, the discussions that we have often is, you know, one man with a vision. Now, the full quote of that is, in every revolution, there's one, there's one man with a vision. Uh, yeah, which I was is a, expecting you to go to that one, actually, because that's kind of your, your Well, thing. you know, it's, it's a great one. It really is. Um, and I think I could, I could play that into this. Um, there's also, um, you know, Another one that is really great. It's also from Wrath of Khan. We learn by doing. Oh, I love that one. Yes. Now, this one, I think, is where I'm going to... Also, I, I don't believe in the no-win scenario. I, this, these are three that I've been shifting between. But I think I'm going with we learn by doing. Because I think that really does... We've been talking about that. That's what we've been talking about. Yeah. It really is. We learn We learn by doing, but we, we create by doing. You know? we The possibilities... Are doing as possibilities expressed. Ooh, 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 that's huh? really yeah. good. Yes, possibilities doing, expressed. Doing is, is the doing. Is the yes. doing's important. We've discussed that before. Yes. Yeah. That, that, yes, thinking is great, 
putting your thoughts into action, doing. That's right. Ideas are are a dime and a dozen, but a a true writer is writing. Yes. Putting them down on paper. A true podcaster is podcasting. That's That's right. right. It was only a possibility, now it's a reality. Because we are doing. doing. And and we have learned a great deal. And there is an infinite amount of difference between the possibility and the reality. Yes. So, you you know, and that's a a great point. Um, You know, we all have... um, uh, values. Uh, I like to talk about values a lot. Oh yes. Um, everybody has a system of values, whether it's recognized or not. Right. Because you just have, and I, I would term values like this: it's what's most important to you, uh, whether it be concepts or people. Uh, I start with the concepts uh, when I think about my values. Right. Uh, but I don't think you stop there. There's also the expression of those values, or as I would call it, an action statement to go with the value. It's how that value uh, is to be primarily expressed in your lives. How do you live out that value? Uh, again, that's the doing. Because as, for instance, you said, you know, the, the thought, the idea, without acting upon it, well, it, it really is immaterial. It's nothing. Because you can't touch a thought. You know, telepaths aside, wow. you can't touch an idea until it's been built. Ideas have power. They do. But, but the power is in how they motivate people to act. <gasps> yes, because uh, ideas themselves are essentially neutral and ephemeral. They don't exist. I don't know about neutral, yeah, well, but, but without action, the possibilities become alternatives. Maybe. They become fear. Maybe, yeah. I can see that. Or the fear holds you into just viewing them as alternatives, not possibilities. Yes. So you act. Because without acting, without the doing to learn by, uh, to to, uh, put into action these things that that you believe or have learned, um, the the possibilities never expand beyond where they are now. So yes, that's how they would become alternatives. Because... You've got possibilities one, two, three, four, and five. Well, as we act and as we grow and we change, that becomes six through fifteen. <laughs> yeah. And then that becomes sixteen through a hundred. Yeah. Yep. And if we don't act, we're stuck with one, two, three, four, five. And those become all the only alternatives. So the idea, while obviously, you know, pointless discussion of eternal questions, you know, we're all about the ideas. But we also, all, you know, when we talk about craft, that's putting the ideas into action. Yeah, that's why, I like, we craft learn by doing. doing. Yeah, we grow doing. by doing, by thinking and doing. You know, there, there for us, I would have to say they are all tied together. It's a match set. It's a, it is. Yeah, you know, oh, if yeah. you have one without the other, it's meaningless. Because if you do without the idea behind it, you're a mindless barbarian. But if all you do is think about something, you're a slave to somebody else. Wow, that's man, Robert, you are so on it. You you, well, you, you a, pulled it off. There's again. a presumption of, of holistic integration here, Ooh. where we have to be complete, and doing and ideas together is what makes us fully human. Yes, <gasps> it is part and parcel. You cannot Good separate stuff. the humanity Good from. The thinking well, you must doing. not. It, it is. It is. Well, yes. Of course. We, to, well, to be fully human, you cannot because right. we do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But to our detriment when we do so. Right. You know, yeah. we often talk about that. That being fully human, mm-hmm. and and I, when I say yeah. that, I don't mean the, somebody is subhuman. Right. I mean they're not living the out the best fullest version. extent of their humanity. What Lincoln would call the better angels of our nature. Yes. Uh, the best version. So that's a great way to put it nowadays. It's very popular. The best version of myself. Right. Uh, and you can only get better through experience. You know. Because, I mean, experience is the greatest teacher. Yeah, it's like yeah. the Edison thing. You know, he learned 10,000 ways not to have an incandescent light bulb. 10,000 ways that did not work. So that's a learning experience. Now, for some people, after the first 100, they may drive them to give up. But he also was one of those guys who woke up every day and was like, yeah, I'm going to be brilliant today. I'm going to do something. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to couple the idea to my actions and yeah. we're going to figure it out, and humanity is going to advance. Because, I'll bring this in, he was one man with, with a vision. vision. Oh. All right? Uh, well, that's true because, yeah, you can say that about Kirk. He had a very clear vision, and I, and I like the idea of spending just a second or two on the value of that. 
Because does that, the ideas that you have do require a vision. Yes. It's a, it's a key component of leadership. Well, yes, leadership. and we are going to talk about that when we get to the fourth episode of this month, uh, Kirk's leadership, because I've got some very, very yeah. uh, concrete ideas about it's, that. Yeah, I mean, that's the key part of leadership is, well, where do you want to take people? Right. That's right. Ideas themselves may or may not be good, and actions that result from ideas may or may not be good as a result of that. Vision helps focus those in the proper Right. Yeah, and we are presuming that the vision is good. Because obviously Hitler had a vision, but it was a very bad vision. Right, right. Stalin had a very bad vision. You know, so did Matt, you know, all the the great bad guys of of history. Yeah. Um, But because I am perfectly willing to put value judgments, say something is good or bad. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, In fact, we must. A value judgment on an idea is crucial. Right. And, well, you know, and people today are are willing, because as we were talking about earlier, you know, people are willing to do that. But unfortunately, they're willing to do it. To, to the detriment of yeah. ideas. Uh, and they're, they're driving people away from the doing because they're afraid to speak out or to say something that might be controversial. Controversy is part and parcel of the, the intellectual growth of, the, of humanity. Yeah. Because if you don't have controversy, you don't have something to think about. You know, if you don't have something to think You've about... You've got to let ideas battle. Right. And that's what we try and do here is, you know... One of us almost always takes the curmudgeon point of view <laughs> just to explore the differences. Well, then, yeah, yes. in order to make the, the podcast as good as it can be, we kind of have to do that at some yeah. point. Because, because you know, we may not actually believe that, you know, the, our personal opinion might not be that, you know, that the opposite is true is what we're discussing, but we have to explore it sometimes. Well, you, not yeah, always. I mean, we you, have to explore it. Right. When you temper a blade, you're putting it under stress. Right. You're putting it in the furnace. Mm-hmm. And, and heating Testing it up. Testing it and tempering. Te- and, and putting it in the quench. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes a great blade. Ideas are the same way. You have to heat them up. You have to put them under duress and stress and quench them and see where they come out. And the great ideas survive that process. Right. If, it's, if it has value, it will survive. Uh, it may not survive in the immediate term. It may have to be dredged up later because sometimes... Good ideas get quenched. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, sometimes you put the blade on the shelf, yeah. and then you come back to it when you need it. Right. Maybe. Just maybe you transform it. Maybe. And, right. Maybe, you know. Or maybe it, you know this thing. This doesn't work worth a damn. I've got to do something completely different. Right. Uh, you know, we talked about Edison and, you know, his 10,000 failures. Well, you know, that's what eventually led to the light bulb because he did not give up. And, again, that's what I see is what has been so great about the American psyche, the American dream and the ideal is that willingness to do that. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about our, our country as, as a great experiment uh, in self-governance because at the time we started it, it was an unheard of thing. Yeah, to, to have a country based on a document, not just geography. Right. Was, or was divine a, right of kings. Yeah, it was, was or a Or power unique, even. Yeah, military power. Yeah, yeah, it was a unique thing to say, all right, we're going to hold these truths as self-evident. Right. So the Declaration of Independence is the idea. Yeah. It is the idea and the Constitution, the, the birth of the government that, that helps guide us is the doing. The doing. You right. know I mean, I think you could make what is, Yeah. What does that idea mean in a practical sense in a way we could all live together? Right. Because that's the whole We tried it with point. the Articles of Confederation. Didn't work. Yeah. Because we lose Don't that we, notion yeah. that, well, what's the point of a government? It's so we can live together. Mm-hmm. Right. As equals. It is the social contract given form. Yeah. That's what yeah. we've done. And I we, mean, we lose that idea. That we, we don't want to live together sometimes. It's right. like, no. And we're seeing that We today. have to. We have to. We have, we no, have to we live together. No choice. And this is, the, this is the way we can do it that respects each other the most. We've got to learn to live together. Can't we all just get along? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Real quick, though, before we move on. Uh, a shout to the creators again, Nicholas Meyer, yes, Harv Bennett uh, for Wrath of Khan. Yes, because both of ours were, were out of Wrath of Khan. And uh, what, who wrote the Ultimate Computer? Oh, you're not supposed to ask me that because I haven't is looked it, it up. Is yet. it Gene Kuhn? Uh, I, actually, I believe it was. It's almost uh, certainly. And he wrote so many of those good episodes. Well, he was he was, he was le- one of the great writers. He was yeah. leaving very very quickly around that time. 
to to which is just kind of the way that works. But it was actually written by DC Fontana. Oh, well, that well, would have been the next better. best bet. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. was yeah. phenomenal. <clears throat> and uh, uh, John Meredith Lucas directed it, uh, who d- d- directed a lot of those uh, early uh, episodes. But she actually based it on a story uh, by a man named Lawrence in Wolf. So it's kind of a polyglot of things, but well, but you know what that but is. But the dialogue, yeah. though, is well, yeah. that's, that's correct. Fontana. She would have done that. Coon, I guarantee you, had had things to do with that. Roddenberry, this is second season. He would have had some of that. But you know what that story is? It's one of our favorite stories. It's Frankenstein. Well, absolutely, it is. It's a technological Frankenstein. Very yeah. much so. It's it's a, a create a, a, a creator who creates something, abandons it, does not give it what it needs. It's flawed and does not live up to the responsibilities that go inherently with the creation. I don't think he abandons it. Well, but, it's, it's a little nuanced. But it's, it's he, a, he doesn't give it what it needs. Well, exactly. That's what yeah. I mean. That's that's it, a form it, of abandonment. it's a creation that goes beyond what was expected. But in yeah, in it, it, ways that are totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's revisited in Star Trek many times. Obviously, V'ger is the same yes. idea. Yeah. So uh, from the changeling, yeah, yeah, exactly. The nomad, the changeling. I mean, it's something that's the same type of thing. Yeah. But and each time, Kirk talks them to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Right. Hey. But sometimes talking hammers out the idea. That's the doing. Right. That's right. Figuring it out exactly. and saying, you know, V'ger, we're the creator. You've got to trust us here. Yes, sir. So that does not compute. Carbon-based units are not true life forms. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> let me show you some of that. All right. yeah. Francis, what's next, man? And yes, it's more about the Shatner Palooza continues. <laughs> yes, uh, we're uh, the same. And I hope part. he appreciates this shit. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I bet he would get a great kick out of this. Well, it, well, well, somebody clue him in. Well, I mean, he's very protective of his legacy and his reputation, yes, I mean, rightfully so. I follow yes. him on Twitter, so yeah, he doesn't suffer fools. Yeah. I'd like to think the glowing uh, the tribute that we're going to pay to the great Mr. Shatner in this next episode would put a smile on his face, because it's his birthday. Uh, this is an Our Heroes episode. It's an Our yeah, Heroes episode. So it is, it's not about Kirk. It it's is, not about Kirk. It's, it's about, about Shatner William the Shatner himself. Yeah. The actor who... Like him or not like him, the man knows his craft. And yes. he knows his brand, and he's done damn well at it. He, uh, you, you called him a cultural icon and cultural force? Very much so. Uh, he's been one of my heroes since the very beginning, and I know all of us here together. We're going to talk about the man a little bit, and all that craft he does, and the wonderful guy that he really is, actually. If you, if you learn anything about him, he really is a great guy. We're going to talk about him next episode. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.